Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's up, Three Swings listeners? I just wanted to let you know that me, Rhea Butcher, your host, is going on a tiny little tour that is very spread out, but I have a bunch of dates coming up, and I thought maybe you would want to know about it. On Saturday, October 20th, I'm going to be headlining the 10,000 Laughs Festival in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And on the 27th of October, I'm going to be at the Benson Ball. And on Saturday, November 10th, and... Sunday, November 11th, I will be at the Sacramento Comedy Spot. That's two shows on Saturday and one show on Sunday. And then in January of 2019, on Saturday the 19th, I will be at Mississippi Studios. That show is very close to being sold out, so buy your tickets now. And on Sunday, the 20th of January, I will be in Seattle, Washington at the Crocodile Cafe. So come on out to one of those shows, and I'm adding new shows every moment as soon as possible, putting it together. So if you want to shout the state at me, you don't need to because I'm probably going to be there sometime soon. You can find the tickets at riabutcher.com slash live dates and also Googling these things. Thank you so much. And I cannot wait to see you forever. Dog. I used to think that this was my town What a stupid thing to think I hear you biting off a brain now I myself am on the brain I used to want to be a real man I don't know what that even What's means. up, Three Bs? What's up, Diamond Dogs? What's up, Athletic Gerbils? It's Rhea Butcher, the host of this show, Three Swings. How's everybody doing? It's a tough time these days, which seems like something I say pretty much all the time. Um, I hope everybody's taking care of themselves. I have found lately that the internet is not a great place to be. I was doing really well not being on it too much, and then this Kavanaugh stuff really pulled me back in. And then I just got really pulled back in, and then, like, there's some shitty people on the internet. And what's strange is, this time, it was, like, some queer people, I think. So, just take care of yourselves out there. I think sometimes, uh... The queer internet, it's such a great place because we get some visibility and we get to see each other and feel less alone. But then there's bad people. Like, people are bad no matter what. And everybody's got their stuff to work out. And sometimes they want to work it out on other people. So try not to do that. <laughs> like, everybody's got their stuff going on. And we're all dealing with uh, everything that's happening right now. People have been dealing with it even longer. Um, so welcome if you're realizing how toxic everything is. However, um, you know, make space for the people that need it and make space for yourself because number one, nobody's going to do it for you. And number two, if you can learn to protect yourself, then it's a great skill that you have for the rest of your life. So 
I hope everyone is feeling good out there um, because honestly, with all of this going on, that's kind of the only thing you can do. The only thing you can do is try to feel good and be okay and keep going and, um, you know, keep breathing for yourself and for other people. Um, I wanted to give a thanks to John Linnigan for writing uh, the wonderful piece on Deadspin uh, about this here podcast. It was very great talking to him. And um, I thought it really did capture uh, the spirit of what this podcast is and what it's trying to be. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, just if you want to look for it, it's on my social media. Um, you can find it there or you can find it on Deadspin. It should be near around the top because I think uh, for postseason baseball... Um, it's still around. So this episode, I'm going to do the Three Swings Awards, going to do a little bit of a wrap-up of the wild cards and uh, the end-of-the-season playoff game. And then, um, guess what? I've got a guest today for the first time in a while. Uh, this person is a photographer and just an all-around cool person. Uh, going to have AW Class on the show here to talk about their experience playing baseball and their split fandom between, you guessed it, the Athletics and the Yankees. Wow. Strange one, huh? We'll get into it after this. Um, strange one, right? Wow. We'll get into it later on in the show. Uh, for now, I'm going to talk about the wild card. Well, actually, I'm going to talk about the one-game playoff that happened on Monday. Um, I watched most of both pretty wild. Um, I did say on the internet, which I'm going to just stop doing because it's stupid, um, that I thought it was exciting that we had a two-game playoff and stopped trying to change baseball, and someone corrected me to say that changes to baseball are what created this. I mean, I look, we have to make... My point was, I was trying to say that I mean changes to pace of play. Like, yes, there's, there's always going to be scheduling changes and all of that stuff, and, like, I don't super want to get into the weeds of it because, like... Does anybody want me to get into the weeds of that? I don't think so. <laughs> you wouldn't be... I don't know. This it seems like a, a not fun. Um, but it was exciting for, like, the season to come down to one game. I mean, it just is. And, like, if one of my teams... Well, one of my teams was in it. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, interesting and wild. And um, so the Brewers played at Wrigley versus the Cubs, and then they ended up winning that game, which was pretty deflating, I think, for the Cubs. Um, they it really wanted to win that game, I think, and then they just didn't. Their offense has, has, was, did get really, really quiet. There was something like 40 games that they only scored like one run and, and won by that one run, which that's a lot of games. That's a lot of games. They, um, they weren't the Cubs that they used to be. Um, and I think I'll just go right into the wild card game for this one and then go backwards to the other wild card game. So they played the Rockies for the wild card game the very next night, which the Dodgers beat the Rockies for their one game playoff. So the D Dodgers won their sixth straight NL West division title. The Rockies still have not won an NL West division title. I think it will happen in the next five years. I would probably say if not before. Um, so then the Rockies, who have who had played when they got to Chicago in three different time zones in a in three days, they had just been on, on the West Coast and then they flew to the Central Coast. So I for sure, like I thought the Rockies, I wanted the Rockies to win, but I also thought like man, they they have a, a an uphill battle. They also just they they sent their best pitcher out 
and the Dodgers kind of beat them up and their morale is going to be low and they're going to be really tired and the Cubs are at Wrigley. It's just, that's a lot of things, but I was pulling for the Rockies to win and then they ended up winning and that was a nutso game, a nutso, nutso, nutso game, 13 innings, longest game at Wrigley and the Cubs lost. I think, and I didn't get to watch everything because I had, I, I literally went and hosted a stand-up show in the middle of that game and it was still going when I was done. <laughs> but I really think that, um, you know, I talk a lot about managers and manager decisions and then basing their decisions on iPads and matchups as opposed to the game that's happening in front of them. And I really do think that, um, Joe Madden made a really bad decision pulling John Lester in the sixth. Nine strikeouts in six innings in a one-game playoff. I don't know how much of his decision was based on matchups and how much of his decision was based on saving John Lester for later, but the, the latter you do, shouldn't do at all because it's the wild card, and it's also John Lester. He will come out and do whatever you need him to do when he comes back around. Like, he just will. That's why you have John Lester and you don't have Jake Arrieta anymore. You kept John Lester for this very game and then you didn't leave him in. Like, honestly, John Lester should have pitched nine innings. You can fight me on that, but I, I think that that is what should have happened. Um, the Cubs have been sort of limping down the, the stretch, not hitting well. Chris Bryant still clearly hurt. He couldn't catch up to Kyle Friedland's, Friedland's um, fastball. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Addison Russell and the impact on the clubhouse. Uh, <clears throat> he Addison Russell did get a 40-game suspension, which is retroactive to September 21st after his former wife uh, wrote another blog, uh, a blog post about his uh, physical, verbal, and emotional abuse uh, that she suffered during their marriage. This is something that came up before. It's been an issue that has dogged him or dogged them, and they haven't really... I, I mean, I just think, look, I don't want to point the finger too hard at the Cubs specifically because it's a baseball-wide problem. Um, and forgive my use of dogged. I don't know that, uh, I realize now after I said that, it seems weird. And I feel like I'm, that sounded like I'm siding with him and I'm not, it's an issue that's been around because it happened. So <laughs> that's why the issue is still around because these guys and this league and this th whole thing and this culture, um, want to try to brush these things under the rug and like just have the MLB quote investigate and then hand down a suspension and then they act like, oh, he served his time like he was in jail or something. This is not, that's not whatever happens. Like, honestly, these guys probably just are in their houses watching TV and then they go back to work. Like, it's not, these things are not being handled in a way that that's transparent it's private it's always concealed we never know what's going on um and i was saying yesterday that you know the mlb has two suspensions that happen often and one is for peds uh performance enhancing drugs and then the other is it's domestic violence uh child abuse and sexual abuse law or whatever you want to call it um those two suspensions are handed out often. And if you get caught with PEDs in your system, you get a suspension. It's 80 games, which is almost half the season, and you're disqualified for the postseason. However, if you are caught for uh, you know, a, a domestic violence issue, the suspension rate varies, and 
Uh, it's all conducted by the MLB and the maximum of eight is 80 days, I think. And you can still play in the postseason. So to me, uh, and Theo Epstein talked about this in yesterday or the day before, uh, after, after the wild card, he talked about this, that prevention is, is something that we need to focus on more and maybe haven't been focusing on enough. And I agree with him. If, if you know that the only thing that's going to happen to you is a suspension and you can still play in the postseason, that's going to affect how it, it affects these guys. Like you should know that if this happens, you can't play. And honestly, I think I speak for many of us when I say, if you hit another human being, especially another human being that you claim to care about, love, have in your life, all these to have children with anything like that. Um, if, if you hit them, assault them, abuse them in any way. I honestly think you shouldn't be allowed to play baseball anymore. I just don't. I agree with the Astros that a year ago when they saw videotape evidence of their prospect beating his girlfriend in the stairwell of a stadium, um, that he shouldn't be able to pick up a baseball and play professionally ever again. I think that is true. And unfortunately, my point I was trying to get to with the drugs versus abuse issue is that you can test a player for drugs in their system and you can have conclusive evidence quote evidence on paper that says there are drugs in this guy's system. However, when we're talking about abuse and this relates to the Kavanaugh of it all, if the situation is literally two people in a house by themselves, something happens. One person goes to the police and says, this happened to me. That is the only evidence that you have, unless there are marks on that person's face. And even then people will still say, well, we don't know because nobody was there. We, no one was there. There are only two witnesses, the person that did it and the person that was hurt. And so everyone will wedge in between those two things and turn it into sides. Whereas with drugs, it's like very cut and dry for everybody. But to me, the drugs issue isn't cut and dry because... None of us have access. We have no idea what, first of all, the MLB tests players of color at a much higher rate than it does white players. And like, people are like, oh, is that true? That why, how has Bryce Harper not gotten caught for PEDs? And how has Mike Trout not gotten caught? Like, look at these guys. These are not normal human beings. And this is not how you look just working out regularly. It's ridiculous. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous. The only guys that get pinged for PEDs are literally players of color. Literally. So I think there's an issue here. I also think these guys have all these people attending to them, sticking them with things, giving them things. Like, not all these guys went to college. Not all these guys even have, like, full... Like, it just... I don't think that it's very... It's fair... I don't think that I don't think any of this is fair. And I think that the MLB being way harder on drugs than it, 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 pot included. I think that these guys like number one, pot is legal in so many places. You should be able to use it. They're hurting themselves every day to play the sport. They should be able to use something that gives them a small amount of comfort. I feel that way for all sports. And two, then domestic violence is somehow something that's like, well, this is a big gray area and we're not sure. That is worse. <laughs> It's violence. It's literally violence. Whereas like the other thing is somebody giving themselves drugs to hit more home runs. Like it, it that has happened through all of baseball, all of baseball. So I've gone kind of off on a tangent here, but um, it seems like Addison Russell is probably not going to be a Chicago Cub for much longer. I don't know that 
that affected their ability to play very much because they picked up Daniel Murphy. Javi Baez is tremendous. And then they had uh, David Bodie at third. So anyway, I think that Major League Baseball has a lot of work to do in terms of domestic violence. It's a big issue. It's been, it's been near constant this season. Stephen Wright, Roberto Osuna, Addison Russell, and there's at least two or three more that I'm that are not coming to my mind right now because I try to keep them out of my mind because it sucks. Familia, Rias, like all these guys are still playing baseball. They're all still playing baseball. And Chapman, which brings me to my point about the Cubs. Now, I don't want to rub this in too much. The Rockies beat the Cubs. The Cubs have been eliminated from the postseason. I highly doubt that Cubs fans thought this was going to happen. Last season, they got knocked out of the NLCS this season they didn't even make it to the NLDS and a lot of them were pretty shocked I think and a lot of them were talking about winning in 2016 and I'm just gonna say look I'm happy for you glad you got a world series took 108 years number one you shouldn't have put the goat on the ring I've been doing a lot of meditation I've been changing a lot of perspective I don't really believe in superstition and good luck anymore but at the same time I'm still a baseball fan And I think that when you have not won a World Series in 108 years and you have a curse that you have pointed to to say this is part of why we haven't won the World Series and then you win a World Series and you immediately invoke that curse again, you literally etch it on to the reminder that you won the World Series, you kind of invite some weird shit. I mean, Chris Bryant rolled his ankle last season. Now he has shoulder problems. I just think it's not, I, I, I wouldn't have done it. Personally, I wouldn't have done it. I think it's kind of ridiculous. And like, yikes. Everybody was talking about how they were going to be this dynasty. I actually think like something that we didn't talk about, and we probably will now in retrospect, the Cubs kind of got lucky. I don't know if anybody remembers, but Cleveland lost one game on the way to the 2016 World Series. They lost one postseason game before they got to the World Series. They were playing very good baseball. And if Trevor Bauer wasn't Trevor Bauer and didn't cut his finger on a drone, I don't know that we would be talking about a Cubs World Series right now. Now, I am standing for a team with a racist name and logo. I understand. This is baseball. We're in the postseason. Cleveland is in the postseason and Chicago is not. So that's just something to bring up. I think that Joe Madden made a lot of mistakes in the World Series, and he just had a deeper bench. They also had Aroldis Chapman. And I think that Aroldis Chapman, however much baseball has tried to sort of erase him from the narrative, was a big part of that World Series win. You don't have Aroldis Chapman, I don't know that you win the World Series. So I think the Cubs have a lot of moves to make. They're so far keeping Joe Madden because I think that despite all the mistakes that he's made, he's a big part of the brand. Um, Cause you got to, the Cubs are a brand just as much as they're a team. And I would say just even more. And I don't mean that in a d- diminishing way. I just mean like the Cubs have always been a brand because you watch their away games. There's more Cubs fans than home fans in some of those games, which is always a sad thing. So the Cubs have been eliminated by the Colorado Rockies. The story of Kyle Freeland is I think a wonderful one. Now, Happy for my friends that are Rockies fans, uh, the Grolix guys, from those who can't, Adam, Caden Holland, Ben Roy, and Andrew Orvidal, um, 
Rockies fans, happy for you guys. Um, until you're playing the Dodgers, then you can go to hell. But uh, Kyle Freeland was born the May that <laughs> in May of 1993. His like newborn photos are in Colorado Rockies stuff. He has the Rockies tattooed on his arm. He started the wildcard game, pitched a gem against the Cubs, and then they took him out. And that catcher interference, Drew Butera, holy shit! I mean. Look, when people are like, baseball is boring, I don't know what they're watching because this is an exciting game. It's an exciting game. And to watch the Rockies and Cubs play Duke it out was, it was a real, it was a real Duke fest. It really was not a lot of hits, just really tense. And Wrigley Field is, I can't even imagine how loud it was, was in there. Um, and to be able to keep your focus and play like they did. And the Rockies scored and one on very small ball. And this is something that everybody's talking about. Alex Rodriguez, I keep having to agree with A-Rod, which is silly <laughs> because I hate it, but I keep agreeing with him. Yeah, it's not about the home run ball. It's actually about runs on the board, crooked numbers, getting runners across the plate. That's it. That's all you need. Like home runs look great, but they don't matter. They, 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 it's, the same, it's the same amount of runs. A run is a run. Who gives a shit? You know what I mean? So the Rockies beat the Cubs, and then the second wildcard game was the Yankees versus Athletics. I really thought the Athletics would have a chance to come in and steal one because the Yankees are so Yankees, but they didn't. I think the bullpen game was maybe not the best idea, but at the same time, that's kind of the only thing they had. So I'm really proud of the Oakland Athletics and the season that they put together. I think they surprised everybody, except for me. Obviously, I've said this literally every week, so I apologize. But um, everybody thought they were going to be the bottom of the barrel, that the Angels were going to, you know, show Hey Otani their way into a World Series, and then they didn't. And the Athletics made it into the postseason with, again, small ball, making good choices, buying up all the closers. Like, they took some new approaches, and they got there. But they had to play at Yankee Stadium, and it's a hard stadium to play in. I just saw a video this morning that uh, Nick Stellini, one of my favorite uh, baseball people on Twitter, a video of Yankee fans, like, throwing beers at an Athletics fan. And, like, come on, man. The the past couple weeks of baseball and, and people being shitty to Cubs fans because of Addison Russell and then Cubs fans being shitty to those people because of this player, that player, this player, it's like, honestly, I kind of feel like for the past couple years – I have talked about openly and also been on the hook for uh, growing up and remaining to some extent a Cleveland baseball fan. And it kind of feels like everybody is a Cleveland baseball fan now at this point. Like there's there's no team that is free from this bullshit. Because if, you if you're not looking at this season, then if you look at any season before this, there's bullshit. Because it's America and America is bullshit. So... That's kind of why I like baseball because it's reflective of all of our b bullshit. And you can point to this team and that team and this team and that team, but everybody's responsible. We all are pretty responsible. We are. There are different levels of responsibility, but everybody exists in this country and we're all participating in it. So we're all pretty responsible. White people way more responsible for the bullshit that's happening in this country. Not going to say that that's where it's not equal. Like I said, we're not all equally responsible, but we are all responsible and I think that was disgusting of those Yankee fans. And I don't expect 
much different from Yankee fans. This is why I was so shocked last year when everybody was like jumping on some Yankee bandwagon, like, oh, look at this fun. They're still the Yankees. They're still the Yankees. Come on. Just gross. So congratulations to the A's on what an amazing season. The Yankees are going to play Boston and uh, the Rockies are going to play the Brewers. And we're going to take a break real quick and I will preview those matchups plus the NL matchups. Uh, that's weird. I said the NL. It doesn't matter. Um, I'll preview those. Then we'll get into some three swings awards for the season. And then we'll talk to my friend AW class right after that. I love Tomboy X. Let me count the ways. All the pairs of my micro model four inch boxer briefs. Those are all the ways I love wearing their underwear and you should wear them too. You need underwear with more frills than function and underwear that your mom got you to fem you up. You got to throw that in the trash or donate it, but I don't know. Maybe don't donate underwear. I'm not sure. Buy some underwear for other people. Buy Tomboy X for other people. Donate it. Buy some for yourself and get you some underwear that's made to fit you and how you see yourself. They've got bikinis, briefs, boxer briefs, trunks, and boy shorts, soft bras, racerback bras, in everyday basic colors, fun seasonal prints, and also brilliant colors. And all options come in extra small to 4X. So regardless of where you fall on the size or gender spectrum, Tomboy X offers amazing underwear that anybody feels comfortable in. So go to TomboyX.com baseball and check out their special bundles and pack pricing. And Three Swings listeners get an extra 15% off with code baseball. Again, that's code baseball for an extra 15% off. So ditch whatever you're wearing for a pair of Tomboy X underwear. Go to TomboyX.com baseball. All right, we're back. I'm going to give you a little preview of the the NLDSs and the ALDSs. So let's start with the Milwaukee Brewers with the home field advantage and the Colorado Rockies uh, visiting. It starts Thursday. So this will have already happened by the time you listen to this. Um, so I'm going to make a prediction. Uh, my predictions have been wrong. I did call last time that the Rockies would get knocked out. I was wrong, and I will say that I knew I was wrong when I said it. I was basing that off of the wrong shit, and I did know it was the Cardinals, but for some reason I didn't say Cardinals. You don't have to believe me, because those words didn't come out of my mouth, and I could be lying, but I'm not, but you don't have to believe me. So, the head-to-head matchup from this season is uh, Milwaukee has won the season series 5-2. to two. Um, The Rockies' game one starter is Antonio Senzatella, and Craig Council still hasn't decided who will throw the first pitch Thursday, um, in game one. And it looks like he's probably going to go with a bullpen game. And like I said, council announced Wednesday that the series opener will be a bullpen day for the Brewers. And it likely won't be the only time he turns to quote Johnny Holstaff. Thank you, Brett. Uh, during what the team hopes is a long playoff run. I am curious to see how these bullpen games turn out, especially when you are the Brewers who have a good bullpen. Um, Dave Roberts famously last season showed off his full bullpen really early, and we all know how that played out. I don't agree with these choices. I I, I might be old school in that way. I, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I personally think that pitch counts and, um, you know, pulling your starters throughout the season can be a good approach for the health of the player, obviously, because we have stories like uh, Fernando Valenzuela who pitched 
it, way too many complete games and his his career was cut short essentially from that. However, I think that there are uh, benefits to allowing your starters to go deeper into games, throw complete games once every, I don't know, five starts or something like that. I said a couple episodes ago, Rich Hill was throwing a really great game like a month or so ago. He was looking really good. And then they pulled him in six as usual. And his exit interview was, I wasn't feeling my breaking ball. Now, from the broadcast, it looked like he was. But to him, he wasn't. That would be a game that I would want to leave my guy in so he could work that out. He's pitching a great game. It's a game they need to win. They're already winning it. He's feeling it. He's not putting anybody on base. He's not looking bad. Stretch him out a little bit. Let him have the mental game to figure out his grip, his release point, all that arm slot. Like, let them figure it out. I think that, you know, we get... Managers are too protective. And then that brings me to the bullpen game where, and you could see it last night with the athletics, there's no rhythm. You know, you think about the rhythm of the hitter. Okay, well, they can't get into a rhythm because they're seeing a new pitcher every every at bat, basically. But at the same time, those pitchers... Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply are not getting into the rhythm of the game and you got to count on them all having a steady heartbeat and they can't, it just, they can't. So I think that, I actually think that Colorado has the advantage here. If they're going to put a starter in and leave them in for at least six versus the Brewers going for, you know, seven guys, I think the Rockies have a great chance of winning this game. Also, they just, they finally got some rest. They've been playing away. They just beat the Cubs at Wrigley Field. The Brewers also just beat the Cubs at Wrigley Field, but that was a couple days ago. I actually think the Rockies have the advantage here. I think Nolan Arenado hits again. I think I think you see a couple homers. I mean, I could be wrong. I'm kind of pulling for the Brewers because I like small market teams, and they're not any of my rivals. So, unfortunately, I got to go with, I want the Brewers to win because I don't want Kenley Jansen to go to Colorado, number one. Uh, and number two, small market They're not my rival. However, I'm happy for the Rockies. I'm always going to be happy for a team that hasn't gotten there. Um, And so the Brewers are the same. 
Um, I'm not trying to start any fights with anybody. Uh, pretty excited about all these teams, except for the Yankees, because they're the Yankees. So, you know, whatever. Um, so that's what I think for the Brewers versus Rockies. I think Rockies have the slight edge in this matchup. I think it's going to be, you know, I think, I think we're looking at a 5-7 game here. Somewhere around that score. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, then we have the LA Dodgers versus the Atlanta team. The team from Atlanta. LA has won this uh, season series five to two. Uh, the Dodgers game starter, game one starter is uh, Ryu, and the Atlanta game one starter is Mike Fultonowitz, who almost threw a perfect game in his last outing. So this should be a rubber match. I think it's going to be like a three-two game, and I think the Dodgers take this first one. I think the Dodgers have an edge here because they've been there before. I think Atlanta has. I, I'm not sure who takes the series, but the Dodgers have been there before. They're hungry for it. I think Atlanta is too. They have a lot of young talent. I think they're going to be shaky in this first game, similar to how the Astros were in game one of the World Series. Doesn't mean that I think the Dodgers, I'm just saying, I'm only talking about game one. I'm not talking about the series. I'm talking about game one. Once I see a game, then I can tell you who I think is going to win the matchup. But if I had to pick out of these two, out of the two NLDS series, I'm going to say... What I want to happen is the Dodgers to beat Atlanta. What I think will happen is Atlanta beats the Dodgers. What I want to happen will be the Brewers beating the Rockies. What I think will happen is the Rockies beating the Brewers. <laughs> I'm probably wrong on all ca- Well, I'm not wrong on what I want to happen, but I, whatever. So I just think that the Dodgers have Dave Roberts working against them. That's the problem. I love that team. They got a lot of good pieces. They got a lot of good parts, but their rotation isn't what it used to be. The bullpen isn't what it used to be, and their lineup isn't what it used to be. Corey Seager is a big loss, but Justin Turner is hitting again. As long as they stop trying to hit home runs every at-bat, they might have a good chance, but that's the problem. They try to hit home runs every at-bat. But I will say, look, it's a bit of a toss-up with the Dodgers in Atlanta because I think the youth of Atlanta is a blessing and a curse, and the Dodgers have been there before. They've been there. They've been here six times, and so they lost the World Series last year. They've got a chip on their shoulder. Let's see. Who's going to be a hero? Kike coming out? I don't know. Anyway, I feel terrible saying that the Dodgers probably aren't going to win, but I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. So moving on to the ALDS, we have the Houston Astros uh, hosting the Cleveland baseball team. Houston won the season series 4-3. The Houston game one starter is Verlander, and the Cleveland game one starter is Corey Kluber. Now, most people would think, oh, the Astros are going to sweep this series. I don't think they're going to sweep, and I actually think Cleveland has a good chance because Cleveland is being completely ignored like they always are, and they have four starters with 200-plus Ks. Corey Kluber isn't even their best pitcher this year. They have Mike Clevenger, Trevor Bauer, and Carlos Carrasco, and then their fifth starter is kind of a toss-up, so we'll see. However, I think this series goes to five, and I think Cleveland has a really good chance of winning it because I think the Astros are the Astros, but they also get pretty full of themselves. And if Cleveland can play small ball and beat them at their own game, Terry Francona is a great manager, and he just ran out of depth two years ago. Last year, they used everything they had for that winning streak, and then they had nothing left when they faced the Yankees, and they just got shell-shocked. This year, they're facing the Astros. They both had a ton of rest. Cleveland hasn't super been tested because their division is basically non-competitive, 
but they are a great team. And if they can pull this off, they're going all the way to the world series. Now we have Boston, uh, hosting the New York Yankees. Boston won the season series 10-9. Boston game one starter is Chris Sale, and the New York game one starter is undecided as of today. Chris Sale has not been Chris Sale lately, and his velocity has dropped something like six percentage points, six miles an hour. So that is a distinct advantage for uh, the Yankees in game one. They also just, like, they have Luke Voigt mashing the baseball. It's the rivalry. They're really excited after winning this wild card. Didi Gregorius is back. I didn't think he was going to be. Maybe they were, maybe that was a decoy. Who knows? I mean, he was definitely hurt, but the amount of ice that they put on that arm was maybe a decoy for everybody. I think New York steals game one, just based on the fact that Chris Sale hasn't been pitching. If Tanaka is pitching game one, I think New York steals game one in Boston. However, who else is going to pitch? I don't know. So, but I mean, they're going to put up Tanaka, right? There's no way they're not going to pitch Tanaka. There's no way. Um, So that's what I think is going to happen. It's going to be exciting either way. I'm really excited about this postseason. All the matchups are really great. We get the classic rivalry. We get the returning uh, World Series teams. Um, We get the Brewers and the Rockies, new new blood in the mix. It's going to be really exciting. So let's move on now to the Three Swings Awards brought to you by Bench Coach Brett. So these are all based on the odds on MLB candidates for all of the awards. Um, the NL MVP is essentially between Christian Yelich of Milwaukee, Javi Baez of Chicago, and Nolan Arenado of the Rockies. And I'm going to go with Christian Yelich on this one. I'm sorry. I love Javi Baez. I really do, despite the fact that he's a Cub. But they won the division, and they won the division on Christian Yelich's performance this season. One RBI and one home run away from the Triple Crown. He really lit up and became the player he's always sp- needed to be. And it's it, that's the thing. It was essentially, for me, a tie between Yelich and Baez. The Brewers win that last game, even though Yelich didn't win the game for them. I'm going to give it to Yelich on this one. And Arenado, also tremendous player for Colorado. I would put... Trevor Story into this conversation actually over Nolan Arenado personally um, if you were going to and then I would also put uh, Ozzy Albies into this conversation many people will probably be mad at me for that but who cares the AL MVP is Mookie Betts of Boston, JD Martinez of Boston Francisco Lindor of Cleveland, Jose Ramirez of Cleveland and Mike Trout of the Los Angeles Angels I think that this is hands down goes to Mookie Betts just had a tremendous season fun to watch in the field, in the box, all these players had wonderful seasons. Jose Ramirez would be my runner-up, and then my third place would be J.D. Martinez. All these guys are MVP candidates, are MVPs for sure. Like 100%, there's just no doubt. Um, but I think Mookie Betts, Mookie Betts to me won the MVP when he had the mic on in spring training and was like, not going to get to this one, guys. Like that was kind of sealed the deal right away for me. Just a fun guy to watch on a team that can be pretty unlikable sometimes. Um, so if if you make me like a team that is obnoxious, then I think you get an MVP. Um, but personally, if I have to choose between the Sox and the Yankees, I'm going to go with Red Sox every time. Uh, the NL Cy Young is between Jacob deGrom of the New York Mets, Max Scherzer of the Washington Nationals, and Aaron Nola of the Phillies. And I am going to go with Jacob deGrom. It doesn't matter how many wins you have, What a pitching performance for an abysmal team. 
he had an MVP season, most valuable player. It's about now. I just am going to argue with myself. Yelich wins the MVP because the Brewers take the last game from the Cubs. The Mets had a terrible season, but Jacob deGrom didn't. Um, I mean, Aaron Nola pitched, pitched really well. His team let him down almost every time. I mean, it's a hard decision. Max Scherzer, another tremendous performance. I It's pretty difficult. But I would also put uh, Mike Fultonowitz in this conversation also because he had a great surprise season. Um, but I'm going to go with Jacob deGrom because he pitched really well this year. The AL Cy Young is between Blake Snell of the Tampa Bay Rays, Justin Verlander of the Houston Astros, Corey Kluber of Cleveland, and Chris Sale of Boston. And I'm going to go with Blake Snell. Blake Snell helped me get into third place in my fantasy baseball league. Also, by the way, I won my categories fantasy baseball league. I don't know how. I gave up on one week, and then I just kept trying. So somehow I won my stats categories league out of nowhere. Um, But Blake Snell, for sure, 20 wins, tremendous performance on a team that in the second half played really great baseball. And I'm really excited to see the Tampa Bay Rays next year. Um, if they, you know, can get their shit together on opening day and play like they did after the all-star break for the whole season, then we're going to have an exciting AL East. So I look forward to that. The NL manager of the year, uh, Brian Snicker of Atlanta, Bud Black of Colorado and Craig Council of Milwaukee. I'm going to go with Bud Black of Colorado. I think he deployed his, uh, starters, his bullpen and his lineup very well every game. And I think that, uh, even though they lost their last division game, they rode an eight-game win streak into it. And I think he took a team that was getting closer and closer and got them to where they needed to be. So I'm going to go with Bud Black on that one. Uh, but all all great managers in all three of them. Um, the AL Manager of the Year, Bob Melvin of Oakland, Kevin Cash of the Tampa Bay Rays, Alex Cora of Boston, A.J. Hinch of Houston, and Aaron Boone of the Yankees. I'm going to go with Bob Melvin of the Oakland Athletics. No one, except for this here host right here, thought that the Oakland Athletics were going to do what they did this year. And they did it with Bob Melvin. Bob Melvin did it, helped them do it. He saw the talent that he had on his team, lowest payroll in baseball, and they made it to the postseason. So I'm giving it to Bob Melvin. Hands down, hands down, hands down. The NL Rookie of the Year is between Ronald Acuna Jr. of Atlanta, Juan Soto of Washington, Harrison Bader of St. Louis, and Jack Flaherty of St. Louis. And I'm going to go to Ronald Acuna Jr. of Atlanta. It's a pretty good tie between Juan Soto and Ronald, but I just liked what I was seeing from Acuna, and he lived up to expectations, so that's who I'm going to give it to. And the AL Rookie of the Year, our last award is between Shohei Otani of the Los Angeles Angels, Miguel Andujar of the New York Yankees, and Gleyber Torres of the New York Yankees. And I'm going to, despite his glove being not what it should be, (laughs) Miguel Andujar for uh, breaking some Yankee records uh, for doubles and for hits and for RBI and all kinds of stuff. Just going to give it to him because you come out, you have a season like that, you're going to get it. So a couple more awards before we get to our guest interview. The Women's Baseball Pitcher of the Year goes to Ayami Soto, widely regarded as the best female pitcher in the world. Soto solidified that title with a dominant performance in Japan's 6-0 win over Taiwan in the 2018 World Cup Finals. Sato was named World Cup MVP for an unprecedented third time. Congratulations, Ayami Sato. 
Women's Baseball Hitter of the Year goes to Megan Boltzel. The Team USA Power Hitter was named to the All-World Team at this year's World Cup after batting 500, 606, 885. Look at that slash line with two home runs, including the World Cup's first homer, a massive 362-foot bomb against Venezuela that sealed victory and ensured the U.S.'s place in the Super Round. And the Women's Baseball Rookie of the Year goes to Ashton Lansdell, a Baseball for All alumni. This year, Lansdale made her first varsity start for the Wheeler High School baseball team in Marietta, Georgia, first ever female in school and county history to start on the varsity baseball team. And she was selected to play on the USA national team in the World Cup. At 17 years old, she was the youngest player on the team. Side note, Lansdale is from branch coach Brett's hometown of Marietta, Georgia. He didn't go to Wheeler, though. He went to rival high school, Lassiter. So congratulations to all of those women's baseball award winners from three swings. We love you. I cannot wait to keep watching you play baseball and we're going to keep talking about you. Bench coach Brett gave me some extra awards. Best walk-up song of 2018. I'm going to go with mine, (laughs) which my new one is going to be whip it by Devo. So that's my best walk-up song of 2018. Play of the year 2018 so far is going to be, look, it's not in the regular season, but I have a full-time job right now that's very all over the place, so I didn't have time to collect my actual notes on this. So what's coming to my mind is uh, Trevor Story's snag at shortstop in the wildcard game. That is my play of the year. That is what kept them in the postseason. Most memorable baseball moment of 2018 I would have to say the Women's World Cup, just in general, getting to watch women play baseball was pretty fucking amazing. Most regrettable baseball moment of 2018, I would say it has to be all of the domestic violence issues. Uh, My favorite team of 2018, which can't be LA or Cleveland. My favorite team of 2018 that isn't LA or Cleveland is the Tampa Bay Rays. I've talked about the athletics so much on here. You guys know how much I love them but I actually really loved watching the Tampa Bay Rays play baseball. So that was a ton of fun. I am very much looking forward to next season and I'm very much looking forward to this postseason. I'm excited. I'm going to try to give you updates after games. So look for some mini episodes. Um, This is exciting. And we will be right back after this with an interview with a guest, AW class. All right, Three Swings listeners, guess what? I have a guest today. It's been years, absolute decades and years since I've had a guest, but I'm really excited. Uh, today, I have photographer and all-around wonderful human being, A.W. Class, on the show. A.W., thank you for being here. Oh, my God. Hi. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I think that you haven't been on a podcast before. Is that true? Uh, yeah, that's true. This is my very first time. Yeah. Right in there. Yeah. There you oh, go. Oh, there it is. Yeah, there it is. We want to hear your beautiful voice. Otherwise. Thank you. You're not really on the podcast. Yeah, appreciate Well, that. I feel great for um, being the first podcast that you've ever been on. Yeah, I feel like this is uh, the perfect one for great. me too. That's very nice. Yeah. It's a perfect game. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to have you on because you we started talking briefly via the internet about mm-hmm. baseball, fandom, growing up with it, all that stuff. And you also are sort of a split fan mm-hmm. between the Yankees and the A's. Yeah. So which thing do you want to talk about first, your fandom or your experience with baseball? Um. I feel like it would make sense to talk about my experience first because that built that into the fandom. Yeah, so. there you go. I think that's 
absolutely right so you grew up playing baseball correct yeah my entire childhood yeah yeah so this was little league and where was this Mm -hmm. at uh it started with Mm t-ball in upstate new york and then that went into little league in uh the south suburbs of chicago oh i see Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i see i see what were your teams that you were on um i think my first team was the tigers nice that was my first one um and then who I was on the Tigers for a few years because that coach really liked me. Nice. Um, so yeah, he drafted me a few times. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just I can't. Even, how funny would it be to be an adult and have like an actual draft board oh of God. like children? <laughs> <laughs> this could also go dark very quickly. But uh, great. I mean, this person was a great coach because mm-hmm. I feel like great coaches are so few and far between. No, it's true. Yeah, he was very understanding and very like um, he taught with like positivity. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yeah Shocking. very rare yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like oh this works interesting yeah, right um yeah and so like it just yeah it was a very good experience uh he was a good coach and he just had fun with it and he let you have fun with it and i was just like wow okay wow yeah holy shit mm-hmm. that's a big <laughs> groundbreaking yeah, 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 yeah it really is it really is because i feel like well football but i don't ha- i never had any access to football so mm-hmm. i never really experienced it but like it just seems like especially men i don't know that many women coaches that have done this but i've had Mm -hmm. bad women coaches Mm -hmm. um where they're they're like taking out something that they didn't get to do you know (laughs) or like they they want to push somebody further than they got Mm -hmm. or whatever so that's the vicarious living yeah Yeah, exactly Mm -hmm. um so what position did you play um well i started off um they tried to make me a pitcher at first mm-hmm. and it's funny because i did have like one exceptional game and then like a bunch of them called me little carrie wood <laughs> <laughs> oh that's amazing uh, yeah it was a good time but then that sort of was um, it really stressful though yeah yeah, yeah put I so much imagine. pressure on me and then yeah. the next game i was a mess yeah and i just course. fucked it all up and uh and so mental <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah and then they um they how moved old me. were you when they called you little carrie wood <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question probably like 10 or 11 yeah that would yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's a lot mm-hmm. i was just like oh my god what <laughs> um and then they i ended up moving to third base and that's like where i really clicked in and i played third for um a number of years so. third base is great yeah i love it a lot gotta love that hot corner i love that uh. hot corner i i feel like for me <laughs> mm-hmm. i can read the ball off the bat from that side like really well yeah absolutely exceptionally well mm-hmm. um and also i prefer not having a lot of time to think yeah yeah because yeah it's just like the netflix queue you have too many yeah. choices you're not gonna make the yeah. right one exactly second base yeah. is very much like netflix mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> i love playing second base because mm-hmm. you get a lot of weird plays and you're kind of an outfielder yeah but i prefer fielding third mm-hmm. but Definitely. my arm isn't what it used to be so same it, yeah. brutal <sighs> just a bunch of old third basemen <laughs> on this podcast um so so you play how how old were you when you stopped playing? Um, play I played up until my freshman year of high school. Oh, wow. Um, so I was like, I think 13. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And what led you to not play anymore? Um, I don't think I was, I think I didn't believe in my skills enough to make the high school team. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, I don't know, this isn't for me yeah. anymore. And I just, I just, yeah, I didn't believe in myself enough, you know? Right. It's yeah. hard to do. Yeah, it is. It's brutal. <laughs> <laughs> did you have like supportive teammates? Was it? Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was friends with a few of those guys for, for a number of years, but mm-hmm. yeah. 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 High school. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I played basketball mm-hmm. and I made the freshman team and then I was benched for like the whole thing because oh they God. didn't like my attitude. <laughs> 
my attitude was I'm really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't reward that when you're a woman or yeah. born that way or mm-hmm. whatever. They're like, you should be pretty yeah. and quiet. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll put you into the basketball mm-hmm. game. And uh, I was like, I hate that. Yeah. I don't like any of this. Mm-hmm. I also didn't really try and practice. But, you know, yeah. look, when you're that good, you don't you have don't to need practice. To. Yeah. <laughs> you're already perfect. You don't need the practice. Yeah, anymore. exactly. And I played softball one year and I really did not like it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's cool. So... Yeah. Then did your love of baseball continue or did you sort of step away from it? Um, no, at that point, I just turned into like like a super fan kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, my family, since I was a tiny little baby, was uh, hardcore Yankees fans. Boo. I know. Just kidding. I know. It's fine. <laughs> it is what it well, is. Well, I mean, you come, uh, uh, you come uh, to it mm-hmm. honestly. Your right. family is... Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm we're just... a bunch of Jews in New York. How yeah, can we not? You know, right. kind of like the Mets. Come on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Although started by a woman. Oh, that's true. So damn. Okay. Is that about the Mets? That's okay. Yeah. You know what? So weirdest color combination possibly in mm-hmm. the MLB. It's, I think it's pretty grating on the eyes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My retinas are not a fan. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel kind of the same way about the Cubs, but mm-hmm. less so about the Cubs than I do about the Mets. Yeah. 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 But I, I've been very harsh on the Cubs on this mm-hmm. podcast, so I'll probably leave them alone. <laughs> they've had enough for now they need some rest yeah look you won one you'll Mm -hmm. get another one in another 108 years it's fine it's fine (laughs) just like the cicadas every 108 years (laughs) exactly uh so you grew up a yankee fan who Mm -hmm. was your favorite yankee Ooh, um i don't know i really loved um paul o'neill yeah um i really loved bernie williams oh the jawline yeah bernie williams bernie i love bernie um mariano rivera yes um and of course like you know jeter yeah i mean of course can't the, go captain. Wrong. Yeah, the can't captain go wrong with the captain oh captain my captain although he's kind of an asshole now yeah what he's doing with the marlins yeah not a big fan no that's okay it is already. Oh, okay it's so okay. fast forward so you've stuck with them the whole time yeah um i was very much on board to the point of like getting in altercations with red sox fans um and yeah it was like like our house was just full of memorabilia and um we would go to games whenever we could afford it um but every time a game would like my whole family would gather for like every game and watch them wow Um, and yeah it was just like huge my car my first car that i got had like a big yankees magnet on the back of it (laughs) in Uh. chicago oh yeah Mm -hmm. wow Mm -hmm. i can't believe that didn't get like ripped off and like busted into your window or something yeah i like to roll the dice on that one yeah Mm -hmm. i mean i am jealous of just the simplicity of the logo yeah and also the fact that the mascot isn't racist at all yeah that's very nice some people would argue that it is which is silly Mm -hmm. i think it's very funny when people are like oh yeah but what about the yankees like what how what is offensive about that yeah the northerners come on just like yeah i don't even know what what exactly is the definition of a yankee do you know yeah it's a northerner yeah i'm pretty sure yeah like what which is yeah it's kind of the same thing as like a liberal now which yeah. is hilarious to then think of yankees mm-hmm, right. the yankees as liberals in any way oh my god with um what's his name giuliani Stein. in like oh, the giuliani. front row last yeah. night <laughs> so you speaking of last night you did not watch the game i did and not we got to get into the fact that you live in the bay area mm-hmm. so you've become like adopted Oakland yeah A's fan yeah 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 after well i took a number of years away from baseball mm-hmm. um i as I started to, my life personally mm-hmm. started to transition, mm-hmm. um, I took some time away from that because it, it kind of just reminded me too much of who I was. And as I like to put it, who I was assigned to be. Oh yeah. Um, 
and so it just sort of like became a scary thing for me because I was just like too much of like my past self and too much of like my past mistakes was like tied up in that because I hid so much of my identity within like the baseball player the baseball fan like um because I didn't feel comfortable in myself and I knew that I wasn't complete in myself yet and mm -hmm. so I just like used that to fill that void and so when I started going beyond that I felt like I needed to distance myself from that for a period of time to find who I was that's really interesting yeah because mm. I find that um like for me in a similar way like playing sports was a way to say because like everybody thought and I think this is typical to like assigned female peoples. Mm -hmm. um, if you play sports, you're a lesbian. And right. so then when you play sports, you're like, I'm not a lesbian, which screaming <laughs> I'm not a lesbian pretty much is like, I'm very much a lesbian. Mm -hmm. But um, it's interesting because I feel like I also distanced myself from sports fandom in, in that, in a similar way that like queerness is sort of like a punk rockness or like a <laughs> radicalness or like, and, and this is all very status quo, right? right. So like yeah, yeah, yeah. to participate in professional sports is very much to stay within a mainstream of this country and mm -hmm. just like the world in general. So like even just getting out of that to give yourself space to be like, is this something that I even really like? Right. Is this something I'm even allowed to like? Mm -hmm. Is like such a weird and interesting place. And I've found that now like so many queer people are into professional sports yeah <laughs> that yeah it's amazing I, yeah it is amazing and like um you know then you find yourself caught between that like radicalism and then also like rainbow capitalism right so exactly. like wait yeah. what am i actually <laughs> doing but i think what's interesting about what you're talking about is it's it's very specific to you and very personal it's, right. it's a lot less about what does this thing mean for me to participate in it as mm -hmm. opposed to what what was I using this as exactly to be and exactly. is this actually me or was this something I was doing mm -hmm. to get by exactly yeah because it sort of just became this thing of like look how cis head I am <laughs> right, yeah. like look at it hot corner <laughs> I am hot corner well we're saying the same thing exactly then. yeah you know, yeah, like, yeah. I, I'm I'm uh you know wearing a ponytail and curling mm -hmm. my bangs to yeah. be like I'm not gay. <laughs> But I'm just very, very gay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is just a lifestyle curled bang. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and so like when I looked back at it then, I just saw it as like a cishet thing. And yeah. so I was like, oh no, I can't be seen as that anymore because it's killing me. <laughs> right. Um, and so... And so then I was like, oh, I can't, I can't like sports anymore. I can't participate in sports. But then the more comfortable I got with my queerness and my gender, the more I realized like, oh my God, sports are actually so gay. <laughs> yeah. Like what? Yeah. It's Have you so heard of gay. the Greeks? <laughs> 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 oh, you mean that naked wrestling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, um, the naked wrestling with oils and with, stuff. Oh, yeah, I forgot, can't forget the oils. Can't forget They're the essential. Oils. Yeah, um, always. Mm. Mm -hmm. and it so was, do, you, do you look back now differently with like a little more kindness or openness yeah, yeah i definitely do um not just because of like my understanding of all of that but also like more kindness for myself mm -hmm. because like i didn't know what i was going yeah, through didn't i didn't know. understand any of it and like i feel like i was really unkind to myself because of that like why didn't i figure it out sooner and it's just like that's so unfair it is it's so unfair yeah because i know there is like this romanticized narrative for queer and trans people of like oh i've known since the day i was born that i was you know <laughs> yeah. in the quote-unquote wrong body or that i was yeah. you know gay and blah 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 so like being able to 
for lack of a better term, forgive myself for not being able to follow that romanticized narrative. It's like, it's an unfair thing to put on yourself. Right. Um, so I've been much more kind and more forgiving to myself about all that stuff. Um, and yeah, it's been interesting to fall back in love with baseball now on the West coast as an A's fan. And then, watching those two teams compete for like the wild card and yeah. in the postseason, I'm just like, what like a beautiful romantic sort of full circle. This is all kind of taken. It's been very interesting. That's pretty wonderful. Yeah. And I mean, the A's out of everybody mm-hmm. are the most liberal team. Yeah. And I'm using the word liberal in the mm-hmm. dichotomy binary of <laughs> liberal versus conservative. Yeah. I am not a neoliberal. <laughs> I don't even, no one even really knows what that means. No. I'm not starting any wars. <laughs> So I don't come on. I thought that's what this podcast was for. Yeah, this podcast is to start a war. Um, but you know, like that's the, I mean, that is the other piece of professional sports is mm-hmm. that you're participating in a highly capitalistic yeah. Oh, yeah. thing. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, none of this is like liberal or progressive really. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do have like the most liberal front office yeah. in terms of uh, ownership and executives. Um, it, Cause baseball is, highly Republican. (laughs) I mean, so is basically everything but the NBA. Mm -hmm. Um, But that is like such a lovely story. And I think, um, you know, talking about the romanticized idea Mm -hmm. of knowing the whole time, it's interesting to me because that's something that I've said and it's, it's hard to, because I I don't romanticize it at all personally. Me. Um, it was just something that I've known, like, as long as you could have a comprehension of being different, mm-hmm. it's like being different. It's not, I didn't, I had no idea what any of it right. meant because you don't know, like no. you're saying you go yeah. play sports because you're like, well, this will make me fit in. Mm-hmm. Like your whole life is like, I just, I just don't want to get picked off. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. That's I don't want to get cut. picked off base. Mm-hmm. I just want to be safe. <laughs> like no safe spaces, except you're spa- safe <laughs> on base. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just, I think, um, I, I question often daily, should we be infiltrating and taking up these spaces or mm-hmm. should we be creating our own spaces on mm-hmm. separately? And I think the answer is actually both. Yeah. And that's what's so difficult about mm-hmm. all of it is mm-hmm. that there's this group that wants this one and this group that wants the other one. And it's very hard to get both groups to agree like, Hey, yeah. we're working for the same future. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I mean, even Jackie Robinson in his book that he was a Republican. Yeah but not in the Republican terms that we use today, slightly different, um, like supported Nixon. But it was mostly because Jack Kennedy wouldn't look him in the eye when he went yep. to Manhattan <laughs> because, oh, Jack Kennedy oh, didn't man. really know any black people. So mm-hmm. he was afraid to probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why Jackie Robinson was like, well, I'm going with Nixon. And then Nixon screwed him over and he was like, fuck Republicans. They all suck. I was trying to save it. They don't care. No. Nope. Uh, but he was very much like uh, wanted to create and support communities like the the black community in capital capital words um as opposed to like fitting black people into a white world and mm-hmm. i think that you know race and gender and queerness like all this stuff you can't really say it's all the same because it's not because people exist in all three or mm-hmm. one or two or whatever and each one has its distinct uh stuff going on but that is the thing like you just it's you you have a template and then you're trying to break into a template not everybody's going to fit into that thing. No, exactly. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, just like minor politics on this mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah, no big <laughs> it's fine. I'm sure all the new listeners from my Deadspin article are going to be all on board <laughs> with everything I'm saying right now. <laughs> but oh, you, yeah. were, you were talking about your identity. Mm-hmm. And if you don't mind me asking for the uh, first time, I am the person asking this question. I've yeah. been asked this question a thousand freaking times. But do you mind like 
describing what that is. No, I would love to describe my identity to you. Great. Um, I identify as an agender pansexual. Mm-hmm. And so basically I just say like, I'm queer and I have no gender. Yep. Because that's how I take it. Mm-hmm. Um, I use exclusively they, them pronouns. I even have it tattooed on my throat. Nice. And surprisingly, or not surprisingly enough, it still doesn't really help all that often. <laughs> yeah. Because somebody's just like, oh, that's just a tattoo, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean oh, yeah. anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nothing means anything. It's yeah. Fine. I, uh, cool. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Does I feel, it feel good? It feels amazing. Um, when, when did you, when did you come to that sort of on deck mm. circle of identity? <laughs> um because we were talking about when you're in the hole right exactly yeah (laughs) yeah, that's right now you're on deck with the donut on your bat Mm yeah figuring things out yep um the timing timing. it's all about the timing it's all about timing um it started to happen well i figured out that i wasn't straight when i was a little kid the first time i watched boz lerman's romeo and juliet Ah. and i saw that pretty young leo dicaprio sure changed my life forever yeah. so thank you Boz. thank you leo that movie made me very uncomfortable so. oh yeah mm-hmm. in a lot of ways <laughs> yeah but i was like oh so people who are categorized as men can be beautiful and i can have these feelings about them mm-hmm. and like yeah like i was like terrified but i was like okay something's happening yeah something's um, definitely happening yeah but i was <laughs> <laughs> something's definitely happening but being raised in like a religious household i was terrified to look anywhere deeper into that um because i was raised a mix i was my my parents and family are basically like jews for jesus wow yeah okay so i celebrated like jewish holidays with my grandfather and like he would run us through everything and like i really loved that but then we'd also celebrate like easter and christmas and interesting yeah um it was very interesting and like although my parents with a dash of paganism yeah it was just a dash but it's accidental (laughs) yeah just a little (laughs) sprinkle of pagan dust on top whoopsie we adopted this (laughs) it's fine yeah it's all good um and so yeah it just like it was it was scary like my parents are like very loving people but you know when you're a kid you're brought to church all the time every week and even in both religions like to church too yeah we went to church Um, wow i only went to temple like i think a couple of times i did used to have this like purple silk yarmulke so i'm Uh like i don't know how my parents didn't know i was queer (laughs) so i'm like this is the yarmulke like prince would wear so fanciest yeah (laughs) yeah um so like it was just you gotta get some black lace on that thing oh my god Uh, you know what i mean yeah okay that's that's all we need (laughs) just some black lace just some black lace roses Uh, in the front guy (laughs) Uh, so yeah, it was just like being brought to church all the time and hearing about how like gays are evil and going to hell. I was just like, I can't have feelings about anyone other than like the the gender that's quote opposite mine and right. like otherwise I'm going to hell. And like, you know, I believed in God and I was terrified of that. And so I was too scared to look any deeper into my sexuality at that point. And so I just sort of like stewed in like this awfulness for years and years yeah um and then when i was like in my early 20s is when i first was like getting a real grasp on that and was like okay i know i'm at least like not straight but i just have to figure out what exactly that means mm-hmm. um and then the more i figured out about that the more i figured out about my gender and started really working on that and then like i came out as queer when i was like hmm I think around 24, 25, but it was more like quiet and less, mm-hmm. you know, loud. Sure. Um, but then a few years after that, I started figuring things out about my gender and went 
I could afford therapy at that time. Nice. So that was, yeah. that was a nice plus. Sure. Um, and so that helped me a lot too. Um, and then, yeah, I came out about my gender in like my mid twenties and yeah. Great. It's all just been an interesting, ever evolving road since then. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I've found that, um, I don't know, like I recently said that I was non-binary mm-hmm. and a lot of people really liked that, which was good. Um, yeah. cause I, I, I'm happy when, uh, somebody, cause that's the whole point of visibility is like, it's about you, but it's also about other people. I feel like not that I'm some hero or something. I just think, you know, we're each being visible in our jobs right. and at, you know, wherever on the street, uh, safety and numbers and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at the same time, then there's other people that want to tell you what that means for you. Yep. And I found a sort of rejection from certain, like, I would say sects of lesbians. Um, and, and I found that a bunch of people started to feel this way because of uh, these these people that like the word lesbian is bad now mm-hmm. and i was like no way this is not this yeah, is not like, happening because yeah, no, i lost. spent like my whole life being like oh lesbian oh i'm not that mm-hmm. like no 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 you're not going to do this again yeah. i'm not going to let you do it again so like just by saying non-binary i could no longer be something and like mm-hmm. i spent most of my life just listening to what you were just saying um i think as queer people as homos as gays as lesbians whatever the fuck you want to call yourself mm-hmm. um also by the way like I like using the word queer also because mm-hmm. I feel like then it's just one word that says everybody. Yeah. It fits like straight trans people, mm-hmm. trans lesbians. Like it fits everybody. Yeah. And there's also people that are very angry about that, yeah. which is like, look, <laughs> Yeah. I don't want to tell anybody what they can and can't be angry about, but at a certain point we got to just get on board with each other. And mm-hmm. we've been calling each other queer since like the nineties. And the, yeah. that was the point right, right, was right. for everybody to be, we're here, we're queer, get used to it. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not new. Right. Everybody thinks everything's new because they just found it. It's a mm-hmm. bunch of C- Christopher Columbus is walking around <laughs> on the internet. Anyway, I got very distracted. Uh, but the mm-hmm. whole point is that I don't think anybody, especially people within that community, get to tell you what you aren't. Yeah. And that's like, for sure. Identity is so specific and unique and also pliable and flexible. Mm-hmm. And I see us as like, tr- we're trees, man, mm-hmm. <laughs> to be Catherine Hepburn about it. <laughs> but like we are, like you look yeah. at a tree, it grows for its life cycle. It gets bigger and bigger and you have rings of experience. Like mm-hmm. we are the same person, an ageless spirit with a body that's changing. Like who what why does it bother you yeah it's just like i'm saying i'm this thing and mm -hmm. now you're gonna tell me what i'm not right yeah it's like because we've all been raised in the society where everything is put into like these very cut and dry Mm -hmm. boxes everything's in like these very specific categories it's like even when we break out of those we then go and find other ones because that's what we feel comfortable with that's what we're used to and so people like so many people have such a hard time breaking out and like allowing things to be fluid or to fro- flow freely right. or just like not be what they're used to. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of people um, sort of bristle at the idea of like gender is fluid. Right. And I think now again, I'm not going to say this is, this is just what, how I see it for me saying that like gender is fluid or sexuality is fluid is not necessarily saying that a person is flowing through change at every moment. Right, I think right, that right. is true. Mm-hmm. We're is no human being is static. Like nothing right. in the world is static. Everything's moving around at an at atomic level. But what I think that really means is your understanding of it should be. Mm-hmm. Because 
there's not one thing that applies to everybody. Yeah. Like it can, but it also doesn't. Right. So to be like, well, this has to be like this and this has to be like this Mm -hmm. is to look very black and white. Yes. No. Like everything. There's millions of people on this planet. Billions even Mm -hmm. like nothing, not one thing fits it. And all of this relates to baseball in that people get angry at me. Like this person on Instagram last year got mad at me because I was rooting for the Dodgers and had thrown out a first pitch for the A's. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like yeah i get it there's a rivalry and stuff and like we latch onto those things because mm-hmm. it defines us and it helps us understand our world and everything but it un- it it helps you understand your world mm-hmm. and once you start telling me i'm wrong for going to a dodger game and being excited yeah you have a serious problem yeah. <laughs> like no, i'm not exactly pro- i'm not i'm actually not the problem yeah and like you should look at what that means to you yeah yeah yeah. you know and like i mean we're still like people still think bush lesbians are weird yeah it's, and it's, it's just 2018 it's shocking it's to me. shocking it's, it's shocking. shocking and what people don't understand when when it comes to like literally every aspect of life is that their experience is not a universal experience right and so to assume everyone to have the same feelings and thoughts and actions as you is just it makes right. zero sense and it's no so sense. wonderful when you find those similarities mm-hmm. and those right. overlaps but you can't find them if you believe everything to be universal exactly and to be open to a d- different experience however slightly different mm-hmm. is how you actually expand your own life and right. understanding and transcend these boundaries anyways this is a baseball podcast <laughs> <laughs> so baseball yeah so baseball baseball's my gender but yeah i mean hello <laughs> universal <laughs> Everybody at this table. Mm-hmm. I mean, it pretty much is. Yeah, that's true. But I like a lot of different versions of baseball. Oh, you yeah. know, I mean, I play in this league and like I am hanging out with these like cis hetero men, mm-hmm. at <laughs> least as far as I can tell, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. how they identify. Uh, and like so many of them are so like kind and tender and evolving and trying and mm-hmm. open and understanding that like it's just completely open because I've realized what I'm bringing into it and my bullshit you know Mm -hmm. which is caused by that monolith right but they're not that monolith they're my friend phil (laughs) so like i can't be mean why would i yeah exactly so anyway you just have to be open to experiences within within a safe Mm -hmm. thing i'm not saying everybody walk around and be idiots but but yeah yeah, within within your own personal boundaries yeah yeah allow yourself to be open to things and maybe test those boundaries a little bit yeah every now and then it's good every now and then so speaking of boundaries yeah you're an Oakland A's, New York Yankees fan, uh, and yeah. you're unaware of what happened in the wildcard game. Yeah, wild I have game. no idea. The Yankees beat the A's 7-2. to Oh. It was sad, but also That's like the rough. A's beat all expectations. Yeah. Nobody but me thought this was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it did. And you went to some A's games, right? I did. I went to um, one of, it was I think the game before they clinched their spot in the playoffs. Awesome. Um, yeah, it was really great. Yeah, I cool. went with my housemate and uh and my friend slash her girlfriend yeah it's for my birthday yeah it's the day before my birthday birthday. thank you so much they won right they did they They won on your birthday yeah it was a great they they won on a walk-off wild pitch oh nice that's great that's fun a walk-off is always fun oh never a bad time i mean the only thing better than a walk-off wild pitch is a walk-off balk (laughs) i found you're like wait what yeah yay (laughs) because nobody can see it that's a rarest gem (laughs) it it is um i love that stadium because it reminds me of the 80s mm-hmm. oh yeah <laughs> and some of it is like literally it's duct tape together capsule. yeah yeah it super is um it's real hard to get into mm-hmm. you go through a line to get your ticket and it's then you go weird. through a line 
to go into the stadium then you go through another line and yeah. there's like old men yelling at you with canes yeah. and, it's and i felt like stressful. we were going through like the loading dock in the back and yeah, i'm like yeah, yeah. i don't know should we Absolutely. be here yeah like, i'm bringing peanuts for you guys <laughs> i don't understand um so are you gonna keep watching the postseason since the yankees yeah. are still in it you gonna be cheering yankees yeah i mean i might not cheer for them sure. but i'll just be sort of like nodding off to the side like mm -hmm. i'm i'm proud of you for doing it but <laughs> but do you have, I, do you have yeah. a favorite yankee this year no no i don't really i don't really know them anymore you sure, know right you know we like broke up didn't talk for a few years and I then now it. it's sort of like distant yeah but right watching that from supportive afar. yeah don't want to get too close yeah 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 i get it you need mm -hmm. your space yeah thank you yeah. <laughs> well aw this is wonderful talking to you thanks oh, so much for being thank on the you podcast. this has been the best it's been such a pleasure great you did a wonderful job on your first time thank on the podcast. You. i really appreciate that yeah, hopefully absolutely. i can do more yeah i'd love to have you back hell yeah please great. well yeah what's your favorite uh baseball movie Ooh, Bull Durham is really good, but I mean, yeah, I, I think I have to go with Angels in the Outfield. Ooh, I think I have to go with that. And one of the main reasons is is because after we, we saw that movie, we are different ages. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are different we aged are different human beings. Aged humans. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite reasons why is because my older brother and I made a pact to actually call each other when the Angels finally won the pennant, and yeah. we did. Nice. And it was great. That's cool. Yeah. I like cute. stuff like that. Yeah. Baseball. Baseball. Baseball is so great. It's good. It can and be I'm, so terrible, but it can be so wonderful. It can. It can. And I'm glad that I'm loving it again. Yeah. It's kind of fun to love it again. Yeah, it is. You and get like, your heartbroken. Let like, myself. Hardcore. Right. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. sometimes it's fun to be heartbroken. It's true. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I said that and then immediately did not agree with it. <laughs> I saw it on your face. That's yeah, okay. absolutely. Well, this is wonderful, AW. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. You're yeah, the best. Thank you. Wasn't that just a wonderful interview with AW class? Just some, just a wonderful human being. Oh, it's so great to talk about baseball with everybody. So I'm recording this outro after some games have happened. My initial, uh, I was wrong. Look, hey, it's going to happen. It's the postseason. Brewers edge the Rockies in extras, and the Dodgers are up 4 nothing right now. So I was wrong. Always happy to be proven wrong. We'll see how this uh, bears out for the evening. Looking forward to the ALDS tomorrow or today, whenever you're listening to this. And um, look, if you like the show, tell one person about it. Let them know about it. Spread the word. Let's make this movement happen, right? All I want to do is just have more conversations about the things we love and get in here. You know what I mean? I don't want to get rid of other people. I just want everybody to have enough space to talk about the things they love. That's it. So tell your friends. Tell your friends to tell their friends. Um, subscribe if you can. Rate, review on iTunes. Listen on Spotify. Listen on Stitcher. Tell people about it. Tweet it. I really, 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 really appreciate it. Um, let me know if you want merch to happen. I would love to do that. I'm thinking about some ideas. Um, if there's something you would like to have made, go ahead and tweet it at me. I'm at Rhea Butcher, R-H-E-A-B-U-T-C-H-E-R on Twitter. Um, follow us at Three Swings Pod on Twitter and on Instagram. Send me some rosin bags. You can send me baseball ones. You can send me life ones. Don't really care. I'm into it. Send me whatever you want. Well, not whatever you want. Be nice. <laughs> um, and as always, if you liked it, you liked it. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. 
For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.